So, so let's, let's, let's touch on this real quick. So for everybody paying attention at home, one, landflex.org is now your home base for everything we're talking about. It has a PowerPoint that walks you through a lot of what we're talking about here. It has your portal. As that gets to go live, it has the links to the different uh, uh, resource documents and resource pages. Right now, if you are in one of these selected basins, I would suggest you go to landflex.org and you start looking at these maps and assessing which parts of your property or which parts of your branch um, are going to have the best shot or that you're considering, right? So maybe you already have plans. Um, you need to look at do, you know, whether or not you qualify for this program is gonna be based on your proximity to those dry and domestic wells. Get on landflex.org, get on some of these, these map uh, tools so you can start assessing and developing your plan here. Um, with that, Anya touched on a really key point, technical assistance providers. The state, uh, the state uh, selected four entities to act as basically your guides through this process to help you through it, not only to understand the program, but also how to apply and whose job it is, is to do kind of the spot checking and to work with GSAs to make sure that this functions. Think of us as the facilitator on the line. Uh, so our job at, at Western United Dairies, Almond Alliance, CAF and self-help is to do just that. So if, you know, again, landflex.org has the contact information for everybody, we're here to help. And it's not discriminatory. A dairy person can call Almond Alliance, an almond person can call Western United Dairies. We're all trained the same way. We know the program inside and out. This is what we're here to do. Welcome to Seen and Heard. My name is Allison Tristo, and I am the Community Field Representative at Western United Dairies. Today, the CEO of Wood, Anya Radabaugh, is going to be taking over the podcast with Aubrey Benincourt, the CEO of Almond Alliance, to give an exciting announcement on Landflex as well as an overview of the program. There's a lot of good information in this episode, so let's just get to it. Are you tired of hearing that the main way to save water is fallowing? Are you tired of seeing articles about how alfalfa and corn waste water? At Common Good Water, we combine the best-in-class subsurface drip system and precision crop management services, including pest control. Our verification program qualifies for public funding, and we want to help you continue farming in California. Contact your groundwater sustainability agency and ask how you can work with Common Good Water. Visit commongoodwater.com. Yosemite Farm Credit is the farmer's choice for agriculture financing. As a farmer-owned cooperative, we are dedicated to serving our neighbors in the agriculture community with financial products and services tailored to your operation and backed with the relationship you can trust. Whether you're purchasing real estate, making improvements to the dairy, or wanting to purchase or lease equipment, we're here to help our members prosper. Visit our website at YosemiteFarmCredit.com to find a branch location nearest you. here it's a thing we've been talking about it and now it's here and it's real and it is real and i think that's what folks are struggling with at this point is what does it mean and it's a real deal and it's an actual tool in the toolkit at the same time i'm really encouraged by the gsas that applied the gsas that were selected and and 
you know, it's a tool. It's a tool that I think everybody gets. And, um, and it's really been interesting to see the embrace of it. So, I mean, DWR has announced finally the comment period closed. They did some refining on the program and they've released the final, uh, um, what do they call it? The final rule, the final, the final announcements of awards. Yep. Or we should say the initial announcement of awards. There we go. So let's talk about that a little bit on you. It's the initial announcement of awards. We've got three GSAs in this first tranche. I know that's a word we all love. Um, 25 million, right? Going to. Yeah. So I think just to summarize Landflex briefly, um, for those of you that are just joining us under a rock, um, the program is another opportunity for farmers to make their way through Sigma compliance. We have a number of, of programs out there that are either private-sponsored, state-sponsored, and this is a new state-sponsored program called Landflex, which encourages early adoption of Sigma, Sigma implementation measures. Um, so this is a program where farmers will receive incentives uh, for three following actions. One is for providing immediate drought relief, which we call following. The other is the long-term elimination of groundwater overdraft, uh, which is the retirement of the annual acre foot that is overdraft classified by their GSA. And then the final piece of this incentive program is called transition, and the transition to a more sustainable yield practice on, on the ground that's enrolled. So the removal of trees or vineyards or upcycling of orchards and or um, replacing winter wheat and corn with almond holes, these are practices that are going to be incentivized so that on that enrolled acre of lane flex, you stop overdrafting for the very long term. Now, lots of hovering questions about that, but we'll get into it. I think that it's important. The biggest news that we have today is that three GSAs have initially been selected. The first one um, by a long shot was the Madeira GSA, which includes three sub-basins. The second one was uh, Greater Cahuilla, which is a very, very large basin. And then lastly, the Eastern Thule. Uh, 27 GSAs applied for this program. DWR did score quite a few more than I'm mentioning. Um, And so we're all going to do our best to make sure that Landflex uh, basically presents on its promise of sustainability and a fast forward button to Sigma. So, okay, before anybody freaks out over what that means, let's just lay the baseline out of, we all know Sigma's here. Like it's, it's Sustainable Groundwater Management Act isn't going anywhere. And, and the implementation of it, um, you know, has, has needed tools in the toolkit, especially for uh, farmers who are ultimately the primary player to achieving this. And I think what we did here with Landflex is it spins it on its head and says the farmer and the resource, the land, is part of the solution and not necessarily part of the problem. And so as we kind of look forward here and some of the, I think, the the key questions that, that come out of this, and I appreciate you going over the three components here of what Landflex is. One is, is I think to remember, and, and most everybody who looks at this thing says, great, finally a tool that helps get, take me from where I am today to where I'm going to have to be. And simultaneously, because it scores based on proximity to domestic wells, it actually is hitting on the true intent of, of aquifer health and sustainability, which is to protect um, our groundwater and to create our groundwater, uh, a healthy groundwater level. Um, and so proximity, especially to uh, rural and domestic water systems, 
is how the individual folks are going to be scored. So let's start with, now that we've kind of gone through that, some of the key questions that come up. Um, one that we hear a lot, which is, okay, my GSA was selected, now what? Where are we on application? So any day now, the farmer portal will open. Um, Aubrey and I have been preparing for this for the better part of two years. So we are waiting for the final review process at DWR to open that farmer portal. Um, and so there's a couple, I'd say, nuts and bolts that need to be tightened here. Um, but generally speaking, we have designed an online site that every farmer that's in these GSAs will be able to go to under landflex.org. And that portal will essentially house your application, your requirement forms, um, what you'd like to enroll, all of the backup, backup documentation, including how you find your proximity to dry and domestic well wells, um, your proximity to susceptible dry wells. There is a worksheet that's being developed as we speak that really gives everyone an equal opportunity to find their proximity to wells. And so a lot of people are, you know, how do I get selected? Well, it's not luck. It's more about your proximity to the most wells. And so in order to prioritize those vulnerable communities and those underserved communities, uh, DWR is looking for properties that are near and adjacent to large community supply wells, public supply wells, schools, disadvantaged communities, um, and or there's uh, several transient communities or what they call uh, non-community-based communities that you can find in the Sigma Viewer. But there are two websites um, that if you actually go to landflux.org now, you can see on our PowerPoint that we listed um, for the World Ag Expo. So if you're thinking about playing around with that, but this is exactly what Aubrey and I have been tasked with doing with UWR for this project. We're supposed to be helping farmers find this information and we are very, very happy to be able to do that now. Yep. So a farmer in these selected GSAs, so just for re repetition, Madeira, Greater Cahuilla and Eastern Thule will be able to go into landflax.org in a matter of days and um, file their application. Just a few things to note, because we do get a lot of comments in the field about this. We know that time is of the essence. We know that summer planting decisions <laughs> may have already happened. Um, and so we're really hoping to capture what we can um, as it pertains to balancing the, the very dry season that will come in the summer. But we recognize that. Um, and I know that we wish that this had been done last October, but it is what it is. So we're we're rolling, I would say, as far as government works, this has been lightning speed. I would agree with that. Um, so so let's, let's, let's touch on this real quick. So for everybody paying attention at home, one, landflex.org is now your home base for everything we're talking about. It has a PowerPoint that walks you through a lot of what we're talking about here. It has your portal. As that gets to go live, it has the links to the different uh, uh, resource documents and resource pages. Right now, if you are in one of these selected basins, I would suggest you go to landflex.org and you start looking at these maps and assessing which parts of your property or which parts of your branch um, are going to have the best shot or that you're considering, right? So maybe you already have plans. Um, you need to look at, do, you know, whether or not you qualify for this program is going to be based on your proximity to those dry and domestic wells. Get on landflex.org, get on some of these, these map uh, tools so you can start assessing and developing your plan here. Um, with that, Anya touched on a really key point, technical assistance providers. The state, uh, the state uh, selected four entities to act as basically your guides through this process to help you through it, not only to understand the program, but also how to apply 
and whose job it is is to do kind of the spot checking and to work with GSAs to make sure that this functions. Think of us as the facilitator on the line uh, or the expediter on the line. I came from a catering and restaurant background, so that's kind of how we look at it. Um, but uh, so our job at, at Western United Dairies, Almond Alliance, CAF, and Self Help is to do just that. So if you know, again, landflex.org has the contact information for everybody. We're here to help, and it's not discriminatory. A dairy person can call Almond Alliance, an almond person can call Western United Dairies. We're all trained the same way. We know the program inside and out. This is what we're here to do. So kind of pivoting back here at that point, um, or at this point now, we're waiting for some last minute data to come in to drop in so you can actually fill out your application. We're training up with the GSAs that have been selected. You said on your 27 GSAs applied. Um, uh, yeah, uh, what <laughs> what happens to, and, and more scored, which was great. I mean, this yeah. is again, speaking to the fact that this is a tool that desperately is needed to make this work. Speaking again to this, uh, what happens if you're in a GSA that wasn't selected and what's the state's plan on this? <laughs> so the state has um, hopes for more money being released very soon. Uh, like I said, is 27 applied? And I think that it's really important to point out that 27 critically overdrafted basins um, are interested in this tool and they understood what they were reading. They understood what was being asked of the farmer in this case, what he was giving up, he or she. And so, um, but seven scored, and that means those that have existing critically overdrafted basins plus an allocation and implementation system for monitoring tiered overdraft and the reduction thereof, that was the important criteria and deal breaker for um, basically you had dry wells, overlapped with critically dry, crit critically overdrafted basins, plus you had adopted and implemented a methodology for glide path elimination of overdraft. Mm -hmm. And so all, obviously not all 27 are in that phase yet, mm -hmm. but DWR is hoping that this type of incentive program is really the carrot versus the stick that moves people into more compliance much, rap much more rapidly with Sigma because there's just, there's not been a tremendous amount of tools for the individual farmer to try to accelerate his Sigma compliance. Um, there are a number of other wonderful programs. Some of these GSAs that did apply actually do have their own following programs. Mm -hmm. And those are all meant to be tools in a basket um, for a farmer and or a GSA to choose from. The multi-benefit habitat repurposing program is another one. I will tell you DWR is looking like a like they're looking for these as a laser scope and how to overlap one with the other and make, make basically make the most sense for strategic recharge in the future. Right. But that being said, if you are in a DSA that has not been either scored or announced yet, <laughs> um, I really think that you need to get into contact with Aubrey and I. We will make sure that your local elected official is engaged. We will make sure that um, your local counties, your, your mayors, your board of supervisors, I think that this is something we were hoping to, to design um, to really move some of these lands that are essentially tied up in bank ownership um, into a way that doesn't completely negate their value overnight. Yeah. And obviously, as trade associations that depend on voluntary dues and, and a healthy ag economy, um, we did not want anybody to become following farmers. Mm -hmm. So just to remind people um, of some of the guardrails in this program, and then we'll go back to the payments. Yeah. We do have two basic guardrails. Uh, one is a $2.5 million average over three years AGI cap. So if you exceed that, you cannot, you're not eligible for land flex. 
um, per entity. Per, per entity, correct. Yep. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And then the other one per entity as well is um, you cannot, uh, you, there is a payment limitation of three, of $2.5 million. Mm -hmm. And so again, per entity. So those guardrails kind of keep people hopefully in the right spectrum of small and mid-sized farmers. That's what DWR really wants to tailor this to. But more broadly, um, a farmer may enroll 40 acres or up to 25% of his entity or his, his total ownership. And so again, keeping in mind that we're not trying to create just a whole new bureaucracy for fallowing, we want to make sure that um, we're still stewards of the lands and that the banks still find value in lending to us. Yeah. So those things are really important, I think, in mentioning that the three payments, um, the reason I start with that is to distinguish LandFlex from all other fallowing programs. It is not a fallowing program, and it is a sustainable yield program, which is why it's rather expensive, um, and there is a lot being given up here. Mm -hmm. So in addition to transitioning the land away from a fairly high evapotranspirative consumptive use, uh, you're also committing to DDBR that you're going to keep farming that acre in sustainable yield there if they're thereby moving forward. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a pin on this real quick because yeah. you use a key word there, which is keep farming. <laughs> right. I mean I, I mean it sounds so silly and I don't mean to get meta here, but to your point, you're laying out so clearly not only the fiscal, but I'm gonna bring in the 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 resource management side of this, which is the the critically important approach here that we're taking and that the state is taking with Landflex with us, which is the idea that the land maintaining its flexibility in farming yeah. is the solution. Okay. That, and, and what is so critical about why Landflex is different, and I'm going to let you continue because it's going to dovetail perfectly. Watch this <laughs> is Landflex is about the water, yeah. not about the land. There is this, as we address issues of, of, uh, water supply management in a conjunctive way, and that's a lot of big words, but that means surface and ground together, that there's this misconception that fallowed land equals water. And that's not necessarily true. And people who work on the resource and every average farmer knows, I don't care where you are, if you're in the West, you know that fallowed land does not necessarily equal water. And so what is so critical here about Landplex is it really is about the water and really is about utilizing the farmer's existing infrastructure, in this case, the land, to facilitate not only continuing an ag economy and a viable economic base, but also achieving or contributing towards the solutions around this conjunctive use management of aquifer health and community health and safety as well. So I'm going to let you go back into <laughs> your conversation there. No, and establishing a value for the water um, which has never been done before under the ground for this, by the state of California, um, was uniquely important in developing this program. And so I think that, um, again, the GSAs that applied understood this. Uh, the farmers that are looking at this, if they don't understand it, that's what Aubrey and I are here to answer. Um, we, we really want to make sure that people understand this is a voluntary program. Okay, So if you look at everything and you decide that this is not right for your operation, Godspeed. There are other choices. There are other ways to do this. We are just trying to operate under the assumption that farmers are following anyway, and we want to move that decision along. And we want to make sure that the Sigma compliance tool, as Aaron Fukuda would say, is a strike force 
Sigma weapon. Mm-hmm. And so again, maybe it won't be for everyone. I understand there are seriously out in particularly greater Korea, there are major challenges out there with looking at what their next year's allocation of overdraft is going to be. We understand that farmers maintain bank accounts on this land. Uh, DWR cannot buy what is not for sale. I think that's a really basic way of saying that. If you haven't heard me say that, please listen to our last week podcast from the World Ag Expo. Um, But it's also really important to understand from the farmer's perspective that when you enroll in Landflex and take this money, you are expected to farm within the sustainable yield, which is up to your GSA. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that local control aspect. And so those two sentences are really important. I want to make sure they're always linked. You are expected to farm within sustainable yield, which is up to your GSA. The GSA will be the police and the policy enforcement arm of what they think the basin can tolerate, what sustainable is stated sustainable yield is today hopefully will change with some recharge and really good strategic storm placement. DWR does not want to get in the way of that. That is a critical function to Sigma's success. But we wanted to make sure that we gave the GSAs the flexibility they each individually need Mm -hmm. to balance those bank accounts because at the end of the day, it is their obligation to DWR to show that demand reduction has actually happened as a result of Landflex. And so rather than forcing a prescriptive definition or a prescriptive accounting methodology, I believe that DWR arrived at the the best conclusion here, which is local control and local accounting for this rapid reduction of, um, of aquifer demand. So I love that. Let's, let's hit it again. DWR is not buying what you are not selling, right? Correct. And you are expected to to retire an overdraft amount as prescribed and defined by the GSA Yes. in order to begin farming within sustainable yield. Now, those are three big heavy components, but I think anybody listening knows if you're in one of these GSAs or you're in a critical overdrafted basin or you are farming uh, in California, you understand what this all means. Let's really hit on that second piece here of, of uh, uh, retirement of overdraft. Um, everybody has a different definition within their GSAs. However, um, this goes to that bank account per, per acre. If you're in a critically overdrafted basin that has an established sustainable yield, that is the level by which farming at or under is considered healthy for the basin, right? Correct. Your glide path is what was, what was allocated to you by your GSA, which is being tapered off which is your overdraft over sustainable yield, correct? Yes. Okay. Some portion of that in your voluntary enrollment in Landplex of what you are willing to sell is part of your application, correct? Correct. Okay. And that means it's reduced and retired, correct? Correct. Okay. So just so everybody knows, that's what that means. <laughs> um, <laughs> just want to make sure we get that one clear because I think this is a piece that that I think people get in the weeds a little hung up on it that it doesn't need to be. It's it, I think we're all pretty well understood what sustainable yield is, what the overdraft component is, and what it means to retire that when sold. So I think at this point that's um that's that part two of yeah. of the uh, of the. <clears throat> 
Well, and people get hung up on it, rightfully so, because of the amount of internal equations that are going on in their own head. So I know I need 15 acre feet between now and 2040 to grow X crop Mm -hmm. of, let's just say, wheat, winter wheat and corn. I've got 1500 cows. I cannot deviate. I have to have this much water. We respect that. And that's why this is a voluntary program. And if you look at it all, it may not work for everyone. It's not designed to work for everyone. It's supposed to work for some. Um, But we understand that there's gray here because not every GSA allocates what we call transition, which is still overdraft, by the way, then not everyone does that the same way. And so DWR understood that and they want to make sure that each GSA is taking a look at this on the annual and saying, all right, you know, you're going to be selling DWR 0.83, which is your annual allocation. Or in some basins, they they do a block allocation of, I think it's two acre feet a year, but they do it in five-year blocks. And so farmers are really like, well, oh my God, what, do I have to sell my 2025 to 2023, 30 allocation up? I mean, those are all things that if I was a GSA and I'm DWR, I hesitate to put that on paper because we don't know what will be available to sell. Sure. And so that's why those two statements, the farmer will sell his overdraft allocation and he will farm within sustainable yield are really important to pair. Mm-hmm. Because it gives everyone, I think, the flexibility and it also gives the taxpayer what they're buying here. They are buying sustainability and they are making sure that we buy security and long-term certainty for both agriculture, but moreover for those domestic wells that we're trying to protect. So again, it's a temporary and voluntary program. It's a one-year contract and it's a voluntary program. So the state's not buying what you're not selling. And these components are clearly outlined. Again, go to landflex.org. You can see how these pieces all line out. And I think to your point, Anya, it may not work for everybody. It may not work for you this year, but it might work for you next year. And it might work for you in five years. And at the end of the day, what the GSAs are really tasked with doing, and if you are successful in managing your basin, your groundwater sustainable yield allocation becomes healthy, right? And becomes it becomes reallocated to you if we do this right. Now, the other component here that you touched on, which I think is critical, is the key here is you are agreeing not to pump. You are not necessarily agreeing not to irrigate. That's 100% true. If you have surface water or the ability in a flood, as because this snow is all going to melt, I'm just telling you. (laughs) Damn it. It it happens. It's amazing what happens when sun hits water, you know, frozen water. Um, It's all going to melt and it's all going to move. If you have the ability to sink groundwater, if you have the ability to use a a splash of surface water, do it. You are free to do so under Landflex. The contract is simply saying you will not pump for this year. And you will retire a a portion of that overdraft credit, accelerating your achievement of sustainable yield, okay? With the idea being that you will farm within your sustainable yield. So really important, I think, to remember that in a year like this year, why Landflex actually makes sense even in a wet year because of the ability to do that and because of the priority around that. And I I really appreciate the flexibility that was worked into the program as a result. Um, it, it, It was important to us that the program made sense, not just in a drought but also in in um, in a water year, in a good water year. So um, yeah, and it started it started kind of clunky, right? You know, we 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 went through machinations around per acre, per acre foot, 
But the neat thing about what DWR and team develop here in these three tiers is that we can dial up or dial down any single tier depending on the hydrology in the future. Yep. And so um, ultimately, it's, it's the objective to be more strategic about recharging. Um, and as opposed to paying farmers to keep following, maybe we then reverse this and start paying them to recharge. So um, those are all concepts that hopefully Landflex 2.0 will be able to take up. We encourage people to give us those ideas. Um, mm-hmm. This all started because Aubrey and I put our hand up trying to, you know, come up with some new choices for DWR, for Sigma compliance, and for domestic well protection. So, um, yeah, I think we're really excited. But generally speaking, we wanted to make sure we clarified those two things as people start to look at this. And I want to be fair to everyone. I've, I've heard a lot of concerns um, from folks that just can't afford potentially to risk their opportunity costs lost by selling their, their overdraft now and in the future. I completely respect that. I, that. But this is why there's flexibility, because if we're able to bring the whole of the basin into much more um, effective Sigma compliance faster, hopefully those pressures will balance out on all growers and not just five or six um, or even 20 or 30 that might be able to roll in Landflex. I think it's really going to lift all sinking ships here to have some demand reduction for those who may not be able to, to do so. All right. So going forward, GSAs in this first round have been selected. Lots of others have applied. We want to hear from you if you are not in a basin that was selected um, because we want to make sure that the state accurately understands, all facets of the state accurately understand the demand for a program like this. Uh, Questions, FAQs, uh, your new world and hub for this program is landflex.org. Uh, where you'll find the PowerPoint. You can really, good call, revert back to previous podcasts. We've been talking about this program for quite some time. There's a great summary from the presentation at the World Ag Expo on there as well uh, that breaks a lot of this down. Reach out to your technical assistant providers, Western United Dairies, Almond Alliance, Self-Help, CAF um, as well. We're here to assist. Timeline for everybody, just as a recap, the three GSAs that have been selected they are updating their final documentation and data sources sets needed for application and the farmer portal will open shortly thereafter. Uh, you can now be looking, if you want to do the back of the envelope to see if this works for you, you can go to landflex.org. You can select the Sigma viewer and a number of other resources to see how you would score or qualify. Again, the biggest scoring criteria is going to be your proximity to domestic and rural well, uh, water systems, at-risk rural water systems, um, and uh, and the potential savings in that space. I think as a final note, um, all of these definitions, all of these questions, they have, they, they're out there. The answers are there. They're at landflex.org. If you're still looking for clarity, you can reach out. Um, but uh, it's important to remember, again, temporary and voluntary. Um, it's a tool. It's not necessarily a tool for everyone, but it is a tool, and it's about the water. Um, it doesn't mean you can't farm. It means you just don't pump for a year uh, and you transition your land into that sustainable yield. Uh, and it creates a, a good accounting mechanism at the local level uh, for that. So did I miss anything? I think those are the big ones. Um, yeah, I, I really, I'm, I'm, I couldn't believe the interest in the program. I, we knew it was going to be popular. We didn't know it was going to be this popular. Yeah, I didn't know it was going to be 27 <laughs> GSAs popular. <laughs> um, and I'm just, you know, you just, you're never really sure um, that you did something right 
uh, until you start to see the results. And so we are all going to work together really hard to, to strive for those results. We want to show that ET was reduced. We want to show that long-term uh, accounting uh, that demonstrates that shows that there's kind of a, a massive overdraft demand is reduced as a result of Landflex, um, so that we can continue this annual funding cycle, um, hopefully this year biannual cycle. But um, yeah, I, I do think that the state is being wise. They're under a tremendous uh, deficit right now, which is a, a shift in in methodology. Um, so they're having to think about things differently, but they want to show proof of concept here. They think we're on to something, and they're, they've been wonderful partners um, and, and helping us develop an operational program that really will, um, I think, strategically target some underserved communities. So Aubrey's um, email is um, aubrey at org, and my email is anya, A-N-J-A, at wudairies.com. Um, you can find all that information on the landflex.org website along with other technical providers, let's say you're not into dairy or almonds and you'd rather talk to self-help, they're a great resource for this. Self-help is really going to be helping us. I think micro-target where we may have missed some wells. Um, we all know the first response we get in the field is dry wells are underreported. Hmm. I totally respect that. I know that. Um, hell, I, I know half of them might be ag wells, um, but the other half are just folks that try to take care of their own business and don't even know that reporting to the state about dry wells is something is a thing. Um, it is a thing. So um, our data gaps are pretty significant in some of these regions. So hopefully that's, that's another side aim that the state has here is to fill in some of those data gaps with respect to wells. Um, yeah. So we're, we're excited to get started. Um, the GSAs um, have been really, really excited. They're all thrilled that they have a new tool in their basket. Yep. Um, so a lot of these GSAs, all of these GSAs actually have, already received multi-benefit habitat repurposing grants. And so this program plus that, they're really thinking that they're going to be able to reduce demand pretty quickly. Which is, I mean, talk about light at the end of the tunnel. There's just a sort of Damocles, I think, over everybody's head. And when you consider the hydrology and management over the last, I don't know, six years, um, this was this, you know, it's a freight train, right? Yeah. Uh, when it comes to that, and so I, I, you know, that's really coming back to it. That's what this is. It's a tool in the toolkit. It's a tool in the toolkit that we didn't have before. And I think, uh, I think one of the things that we hear, or the reaction, especially from those who aren't so intimately involved in resource management, uh, it's very quick and easy to say, well, we should just freaking legislate it and make it happen tomorrow. Let me tell you right now, nature doesn't move that fast. Neither does government. Uh, and you're talking about a, a, a complete change in the way we even conceptually look at our water supplies. Again, that conjunctive use, that surface and ground together. Um, and so, you know, Landflex and the state really leaning in here um, is incredible leadership that should be respected and allowed to maneuver and allow the experts and the, the, those actually administering these programs to work. And I think for us as farmers and as farmer representatives, farmer, dairy, rancher uh, representatives, let us be a part of the solution before you ever have a chance to disrespect us and not allow us to, to move forward here. Um, I think the biggest thing here is the willingness to be a part of a solution uh, that works for everyone, um, as opposed to just a naysayer and a division, you know, a divisive writer. So, 
Um, I really appreciate the partnership of the state. I appreciate the partnership of, almond, uh, of almonds and dairy. I don't know why everybody thinks we don't get along. Um, I don't know why either. We just don't talk about milk. That's about it. It doesn't matter. We have to have one without the other. It's just, exactly. You know. It doesn't matter. And I think, uh, and I appreciate that partnership again too. Self help um, coming yeah. coming on board with us here too, uh, and working with the state and the GSA. So I think this is an amazing moment in time that needs to be respected uh, and allowed allowed it to do due diligence to work and and tremendous leadership on behalf of Director Namath and the Department of Water Resources uh, to move and lean in here uh, to really come up with tactical practical solutions that are measurable and accountable in ways that uh, honestly we're lacking. And so, um, you know, we talk a lot about, at least I know on the almond side, that the data that could set us free is also the data that could lop our head off. The important part here is this is data that we're harnessing together and we're working on it together to uh, to actually make good informed decisions. So, um, you know, it's a good opportunity for us to, to, to be part of the solution um, in this, in this time. So, Thanks again. Oh, you're welcome. Generations of cultural practice changing overnight, um, both feared and respected. We should all respect the process here. But yeah, this is what Sigma is going to look like. And we're just hitting fast forward on it. And it's it's not the end of the world. It doesn't have to be. It depends mm-hmm. on how you change your mindset and how we can do that. If there's anybody who can figure that out, it's California agriculture. That's right. Done it every time. Um, and I think we need to embrace that. Uh, and embrace our own sophistication and power here. And this is our chance. Thanks again, Anya. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. Pacific Gas and Electric is here to remind you that signs keep you safe. Sections of our natural gas transmission pipeline travel underground and beneath agricultural land. For the safety of you, your family, and your employees, Pipeline markers are placed to indicate the approximate location of the pipe as a reminder to use extra care. Removing a pipeline marker creates a serious safety hazard. To have additional markers placed or report damaged or missing markers, please call your PG&E account manager or our Agricultural Customer Service Center at 877-311-3276. To learn more, visit www.pge.com agsafety. Remember, signs keep you safe. Did you know that you can turn your dairy manure into cash? Bennett Environmental is offering above-ground dairy digesters at no cost to you. These systems can also remove nitrates from your lagoons to help you comply with water board regulations. Our proven above-ground technology will generate income for your dairy into the foreseeable future. Because we truck the renewable natural gas off-site, your dairy can profit regardless of your location. Bennett Environmental, turning your wastewater liabilities into sustainable assets. Learn more at bennett-environmental.com. Thank you for listening to Seen and Heard and to Aubrey and Anya for coming on the podcast. If you would like to get a notification when a new episode is released, go ahead and subscribe to the show and everyone have a great week. Thank you to the Western United Dairy's generous business sponsors, the Morning Star Company, Holt of California, Farm Credit Alliance, PG&E, Arata, Swingle, Van Egmond and Goodwin Law Offices, Yosemite Farm Credit, F&R Ag Services, Moss Energy Works, California Dairy Magazine, Bennett Environmental, and Common Good Water. We appreciate our sponsors and thank them for their continued support.